Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 22. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I feel a sense of inadequacy. I feel like even on my best day of communicating, I really can't communicate the depth and the, the heart and the, the intimacy and the relationship and the fellowship that was going on between the father and his son in the garden. Somebody once said, of this story in the garden. They said, this story is almost too sacred to explore by methods of exegesis or exposition. There are things in this that have baffled theologians for centuries. There are dim and dark mysteries hanging around this story in an olive yard called Gethsemane. You know, there's something that begins to go on here between the father and the son that's being worked out. Things that were set in motion before the world was formed. And I don't think we can really get our minds wrapped around what's going on here. Notice in verse 40. Go ahead and look at it. Jesus said, pray. Pray that the Father, that you may not. Pray to the Father that you may not enter into temptation. Matthew tells us that he said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know that. The spirit is willing. But the flesh is weak. Now, if you know yourself, I'm sure this is already a daily prayer. Lord, lead us not into temptation. Lord, don't lead me into temptation. This word temptation, if you're taking notes, it means to compromise morally. Write that down. To compromise morally. It applies to covetousness, hypocrisy, lovelessness, fear, worry. Listen, if you're struggling with these things, Jesus is saying, pray. Listen, you have access to God bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. And because you have that access, is anybody listening? Because you have that access, you can pray to the Father at any time, anywhere, in your car, driving, at home, Anywhere you can come boldly to the throne of grace to receive help, grace, and mercy in a time of need. Jesus bought that access ticket for you with his blood. With his blood. And so pray. Pray. The Bible says if we pray anything according to his will, we know we have the petitions that we ask. You know, I really believe the reason that, that Christians and, and Christians are struggling. As a pastor, I find Christians struggling, are struggling in their Christianity. Why? You have the power of the Holy Spirit. 
You have access to God. Why are you struggling? Struggling with internet pornography. Struggling with sin. Struggling with addictions. Struggling with your walk with the Lord. Why? Struggling in your marriages. Why? You have access in prayer. You know, uh, um, uh, Andy was telling you about the prayer meeting we're going to have this coming Saturday. And, you know, at our prayer meeting, we usually have maybe 100, 120 people. And, and generally, all the guys are like, oh, this is great. This is great. 120 people. Listen, I don't think that's enough. It's not enough. We as believers need to pray. And 120 people, we need to fill that sanctuary down there with three, 400 people. Nine o'clock in the morning, Jesus said, can you not pray with me one hour? Nine o'clock Saturday morning, why don't you write it on your calendar or, or some of y'all internet techie people. <laughs> put it on your phone. <laughs> Go on to prayer. Nine o'clock. One hour. Get up in the morning, eat your Wheaties, eat your Cheerios, and then come on the prayer meeting and pray one hour. You'd be surprised what God will do in your life if you just take the time to just pray. But the reason you don't have is because you don't ask. And, and, and James said, and when you do ask, you ask for the wrong thing. So Jesus fell on his face, and then he fell, fell to his knees, and then fell on his face, and he said, Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Now, as you study the collective accounts of the story in the Garden of Gethsemane, this prayer in the garden, did you know this, went on for hours through the night. Jesus prays, he weeps, he cries, Abba, Father, he is in great sorrow and heaviness. Verse 43 and 44, go ahead and look at it. Jesus had been praying so hard and so fervently that an angel had to come and strengthen him, and he began to sweat drops of blood. I find it interesting that Jesus can stand in front of a raging sea. Listen, look at me. Jesus can stand in front of a raging sea and say, peace be still, and there's no strain. Jesus can stand in front of a dead man's tomb and say, Lazarus, come forth, and there's no strain. Jesus can take a little girl by the hand and say, Talitha Kumai, Danzel, arise, and there's no sweat. Never let him see a sweat. And he can run demons out of a man into some pigs and those pigs run off a cliff and no sweat. Jesus can feed a multitude of 15,000 people with two fish and five loaves of bread and no sweat. But here in this scene of prayer, there's weeping and there's agony and there's perspiration and great drops of blood and there is weakness. Now, before we move on, listen, there are some interesting contrasts, and perhaps you want to take some notes right here. There's some interesting contrast about the garden. In the Garden of Eden, the first Adam rebelled against the Father's will. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul calls Jesus the last Adam. Jesus Christ is the last Adam and submitted to the Father's will in the Garden of Gethsemane. In the Garden of Eden, the first Adam hid from God. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the last Adam runs to God in prayer. 
In the first garden, man drives out, man was driven out because of sin. In the second garden, Jesus comes in to prepare his soul to die for sin. In the first garden, an angel was in place to keep man out with a sword. In the second garden, Jesus told Peter, put away your sword. Now, in Matthew 26, it tells us that Jesus, remember I told you that this prayer went all night long. Matthew 26, anybody listening? If you're listening, say, I'm listening. In Matthew 26, it tells us that Jesus says, Father, if it's your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And he said that three times. Father, if it be your will, take this cup from me. Later on, Father, if it be your will, take this cup from me. Later on, Father, if it be your will, take this cup from me. Now, I tell you that because people will say, and maybe you've heard this, if you pray for something more than once, you lack faith. Have you ever heard that? Anybody ever heard that? Okay, yes. If you pray for something more than once, you lack faith. In other words, they say that you're supposed to pray for something, and then you should go away believing and you should go away claiming it, and you should go away laying hold of it, and name it, and claim it, and believe it, and confess it. But if you pray for it twice, they say, that means you lack faith. Well, listen, let me tell you something. If lacking faith is being like Jesus, then count me in. Where you at? Count me in. Paul the apostle prayed three times that a thorn in the flesh would be removed from him. Jesus prays three times in the garden, Father, take this cup from me. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Now listen, I don't want to bore you or impress you with my Greek. Yes, I do. But anyways, (laughs) the Greek grammar, listen, in Greek grammar, there are three. Now listen to me close. There are three verbs, ask, seek, and knock. There's three verbs, and they are called imperatives. There are two basic kinds of imperatives in the New Testament. There's the aorist imperative, which is a command to do something at one specific time. And then there is the present imperative, which is a command to keep on doing something indefinitely. Ask, seek, and knock are in the present imperative. It means keep on doing it. Ask and continue to ask, and it will be continually given. Seek and you and continue to seek, and you will continue to find. Knock and continue to knock, and it will be continually open unto you. Look at verse 43. The angel strengthens him, and then he began to sweat great drops of blood. Now, in the medical community, listen, this is known as hematidosis. Hematidosis? That's a rare, well-documented condition that says when a person is under uh, uh, extreme stress and strain, that the subcutaneous capillaries burst and blood leaks through the sweat glands. I find it interesting, saints, listen to me. It doesn't say Jesus was agonizing and sweating and the angel came and strengthened him. It doesn't say that. It says, look at it, the angel came and strengthened him and then he agonized. The implication is that the angel came and strengthened him so that he could agonize. 
And he's agonizing because he's begging his father to take this cup from him. It's almost like Jesus is saying, Dad, Abba, as Hebrew for father, Ima, Hebrew for mother, Dad, Abba, Father, this is the most painful, awful thing in the world. It's about to happen to me. Dad, 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 Abba, you can stop this. You can speak a word, dad, and turn it away. And heaven is silent. You know, we often talk about what it costs to die on the cross for Jesus, uh, talk about Jesus to die on the cross and what it cost, cost him. But we could take a step back. What did it cost the father? At any time, he could have sent 12,000, 12 uh, legions, actually, 12 legions of angels, which is 72,000 angels, which would come and rescue Jesus. And yet the father had to hold back. And how could he watch that? How? I mean, as a father, think about your kids. Your kids get a boo-boo. They out riding the bike and they fall down. They come in, ah, ah, boo, boo. We, some mothers free. Oh my God, he got it. Oh, we got to take him to the hospital. It's just like a little, little cut, especially on the first baby. You know how you act when the first baby comes. The first baby, you freak out a little boo, boo. It's like, oh my God, we got to take him to the hospital. Oh Lord, he's going to die. That's annoying him and pray for him. By the time you get to the third or fourth child and they have like a little fall, you'd be like, oh, please shut up. Go outside. You know what I mean? By the time you get to four or five, they could break their arm, come in, the arm is hanging. You'd be like, oh, ain't nothing wrong with you. Get on the outside. But you know, with the, the first one, they got a boo-boo in you. And it's like almost like when you if you kiss it, the kiss and the boo-boo always make it better. And you just kiss it. Is it better? Mm-hmm. Let me go back out. But how much more to see your child suffer? Could you do it? I couldn't do it. And you know you can do something about it, but you don't. Because the price has to be paid. Reconciliation has to happen. Blood has to be shed. Sins have to be paid for. And so one angel goes to strengthen Jesus so he can continue to agonize because the price of sin must be paid and the account must be reconciled. And that's called propitiation. Were you here Wednesday? Propitiation. Look at verse 45. When Jesus got up from prayer and walked over to the disciples, you get this? They were not out. In the Greek language, it means they were not out. They weren't like dozing off to sleep. They were like. (laughs) They were knocked out sleeping. In verse 46, Jesus said, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. So Jesus is praying so hard, he's sweating drops of blood. Matthew 26, 39, write it down, says, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as your will be done. Now listen, if you hear nothing else I said, listen to this. Jesus is saying, Father, if a man can go to heaven any other way, 
And I don't have to suffer the pain, the shame, and the humiliation. If there's any other way, Father, let's go with that. Saints, brothers and sisters, let's understand something here. Jesus did not want to go to the cross. He did not want to go to the cross. The Bible says for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. What joy? The joy of your salvation. The joy to know that someday through time and eternity, he'll be able to look through the quarters of time and see you and see me sitting in Calvary Chapel, worshiping the Lord and giving thanks to him for what he has done. That brought him joy. But he didn't want to go to the cross. He said, Father, if there's any other way, let's go with that. Nevertheless, not my will. But thy will be done. Listen, the very fact that Jesus died a horrible, humiliating, horrific death on the cross is proof positive that there is no other way to be saved. Because if there was another way, Jesus himself said, Father, let's go with that. If there was another way, the Father would have gone with that. And that's why I will flat-footedly in any preacher worth his salt listen. Any preacher worth his salt can flat, should flat-footedly stand boldly and say that there is no other way to get to heaven except through Jesus Christ. Yes. Yes. And people say, oh, well, there's got to be another way. Listen, there's only one way. I personally thank God there's only one way. Because I don't need confusion. I'm not that bright. I don't get it sometimes. I don't need two ways and three ways and pick door number one. Let's make a deal. What door? I don't need that. I need one way. Tell me what way it is, and I'll go that way. Jesus himself said in John 14, you know it, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Peter, preaching in Acts chapter 4, said, For neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. Where my people at? I want you to clap your hands. He's the only way. And listen, going to mass is not going to get you to heaven. Uh huh. Going to mass won't get you to heaven. Going to run for cancer research and Susan G. Komen running for cancer research, that ain't going to get you into heaven. You're not going to get into heaven because you give to the Jimmy V Foundation. You're not going to get to heaven because you build an orphanage or HIV-infected children in India. You're not going to get to heaven because you got a school, Calvary Chapel Training Center in India, and you help out with that. You're not going to get to heaven. You're not going to get to heaven. Listen, you're not going to get to heaven because you go to Calvary Chapel, Gary. Now, I know that's hard to believe, but you're not going <laughs> to... But you're not going to get to heaven because you go to Calvary Chapel. Listen, there's only one way, and that's an offense to people. People don't like that. Well, you mean to tell me. You know you got to come in when folks say that. You mean to tell me that there's only one way to get to heaven. All the money I gave, and I'm philanthropic. And I gave millions of bucks to this, that, and the other. And I helped a lady across the street at Whole Foods the other day. You mean to tell me I can't, that my righteousness and my 
good works is not going to get me to heaven. And I'll tell them that is exactly what I mean to tell you. I mean to tell you that if you don't come to Jesus Christ or come to God the Father through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, you will by no means enter heaven. That's what I mean to tell you. Is that right? That's what I mean to tell you. That's what the Bible says. So you need to ask yourself, listen, what garden are you in? I come in for a landing. I come in right here. What garden are you in? The Garden of Eden or Gethsemane? Are you listening to the devil that's setting aside the word of God? Or are you listening to Satan saying, you know, sin doesn't cause pain? No consequences for sin. Are you saying, Father, take me to Gethsemane where I can pray, not my will, but thy will be done. Do you understand something? Listen, being a Christian is not about you. Being a Christian is not about you. Being a Christian, listen, is simply saying, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. God, your will be done as it relates to my finances. God, your will be done as it relates to my children. God, your will be done as it relates to my marriage, which I'm thinking about divorcing. But Father, I want your will to be done. God, what is your will? Christianity, listen, is about submitting yourself to the the will of God and allowing God's way and work in your life so that he will exalt you and you will give glory to him by your obedience and following him. That's what Christianity is all about. And I'm amazed at how many Christians don't get it. It ain't about you. It wasn't about Jesus. I thank God for that. In the garden, it wasn't about him. He could have backed out at any time. He could have backed out and said, I don't think I want to go to die for people who don't love me. People spitting on me. People ripping my beard out and playing games with me and punching me and stuff. I'll talk about more next week. I have people betraying me. I'll die for people like that. And the Bible says that God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. And that's Jesus saying, not my will, but thy will be done. And if you listen, I'll leave you here. I, I mean it. What does a preacher mean when he says in closing? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. But in closing. If you say, Father, not my will, but thy will be done, and you let God's work be done in your life, listen, somebody once said this. They said, the will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you. The will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you. If you say, God, I'm going to let you work in my marriage. God, I'm going to let you work in my situation, not my will, but thy will be done. God's grace will keep you, and God will help you. And in the end, God will exalt you. And in the end, you will be happy because you obeyed God, and you did what was required of thee. He said to Micah, he has shown thee, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of thee to do justly to love mercy, and to walk humbly before our God. 
That's what God wants from us. That's what God wants from you. Say, not my will. Not my way. My life belongs to you. Take my life and use it for your glory. And I guarantee you, God will. And he'll change you. And he'll do for you what you cannot do for yourself. He'll do for you what he has done for millions of others. Change them. He made them new. He worked in them and through them. And he blessed them. And he blessed them. And God just wants to bless you. Why don't you let him? And why don't you say, not my will, but thy will be done. Stop being so prideful. We are so prideful, God can't speak. And yet we're so outwardly religious. And inside, pride. God can't speak. Let God do what only God can. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.